Welcome to the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. Let's get started, shall we? Oh, where do I start? You know, for you people who are in the same position I am, stuck in the tyranny state of Illinois, uh, you've been to the gas station. And you see the little signs on the pump that tell you that the gas tax has been suspended. That's a lie. You see... Pritzker instituted a higher price, a higher uh, gas tax when he got into office. So, right now, if you read the sign on the top of the little gas pump, it makes you think that they've suspended the gas tax. They have not. You're still paying state tax on every gallon of gas. What you're not paying is Pritzker's gas tax increase. So you have to read the sign. And then you have to also know, know what it is that they've done. In other words, you got to know your history, recent history. Americans have this really bad habit of short-term memory. We're so focused on what's happening now, what will happen, we forgot what the hell happened a year ago or two years ago. And by the way, kudos to whoever put the tagline out for the Republican Party for the midterms, especially here in Illinois, you see it. And, I, and you might see it in your state as well. But the tagline is, how much worse does it have to get? It's a great tagline. I love it. I do. What have we got on tap for today? Yes, yes, yes. You know, we're going to do this. Uh, for you preppers and patriots out there, you have to understand something. Just because you prep don't mean you're going to survive. That's just the fact. That is a fact. Because it all depends on what the critical incident is, geographic location of the incident, where you are, what you're doing. There's a whole bunch of what-ifs that have to come together for you to pull it off. And by that, I mean for you to, to survive it. By the way, if you like my hat, I'm going, and, I, and my shirt, yay, it's hot out today. Uh, you can go. I'm going to put a link where you can go and you can order your own CRN gear. Now, granted, now, these, now look, these are embroidered. This isn't your iron-on, stick-on transfer. These are embroidered. Hat, any apparel you order, okay? Now, it's a little bit more expensive, but they're worth it because they last a long time. And besides, whenever you order something, you help support CRN. Now, I know times are tough and everybody's knocking on your door, sending you emails up the yin-yang, asking for money. 
I'm not, I have no exception to the rule right now. So, look, you don't want to buy the gear. That's cool. Perhaps you could make a donation. Maybe $1 a month. $1. I ask him for $1. That's all I'm asking. But getting back to it, uh, on Ask a Prepper, and this is good stuff. These, I'm going to give you the list of the 10 types of people who are going to die first when the grid goes down, when the shit hits the fan, when it's the end of the world as we know it. Yeah. It's not fun, but we need to know this. It's the way it is. Now, as I already said, you know, an actual grid-down scenario is going to result in casualties, regardless of what type of scenario it is. Preppers and survivalists, we stockpile supplies, gather the necessary skills and knowledge to survive emergencies and disasters. Welcome to the nightmare world of a prepper. Unfortunately, most of the population fails to prepare, hence that's why we have FEMA. We have FEMA who has to try and be a prepper for the rest of the country who doesn't do it. Now, many people are going to perish from preventable causes. Why? Because they're too lazy, they don't know, they don't care. And they think the government's going to save them. <laughs> yeah. So, let's talk about the 10 types of people who will die first in a shit-hits-the-fan environment. Not in a specific order. And nor is it an exhaustive list. I'm sure you can find others to add to the list, my friends. Yes, yes, yes. So, without further ado, let us get started, shall we? All right. People who panic. First things many will do when facing an emergency is panic. Unfortunately, and a shit hits the fan scenario, we do not have the usual safety nets that modern life provides us. I've said many times, electrical power. It's truly the thin veneer of civilization. So panic is also a path to bad decision making, which increases the odds of those decisions bringing fatal consequences. Therefore, to survive, a shit is a fan scenario, we all must stay calm and suppress the urge to panic. That doesn't mean you can't get concerned. You should be. But once you panic, that emotions rise, reasoning skills go down. How many times have I told you that? But if we can suppress the panic urge, emotions go low, reasoning and intellect capabilities go up. Number two, people with no survival skills. That needs no explanation. How about um, pacifist? Now, when the grid fails, and we see, and God, this country's got a shitload of pacifists, don't we? The grid fails, looting and crime are going to dominate. Civilized society breaks down. Everyone's going to have to be willing to defend themselves and their loved ones and their supplies with force. Sometimes, in some cases, it might be deadly force. It may be required. Are you mentally able to do that? 
Are you capable of taking a life if need be? Or are you willing to die? I can't answer that. Only you can. How about people with no supplies? Now those that have failed to supply themselves with the minimum are going to become looters. And they're going to try every story at tugging at the heartstrings of your more prepared neighbors. Oh, little Jimmy. Oh, he's so hungry and thirsty. Well, why didn't, well, you're his parent. Why the hell didn't you think of these things prior? Dehydration, exposure, disease are going to find these people first. That's just the fact of the matter, whether you like it or not. Now, for some of you, I call him the lone wolf. The lone wolf is the one who will go to the top of the mountain and sing his song of doom. Now, Hollywood has romanticized the idea of a lone wolf survivalist wandering through a post-apocalyptic wasteland. However, those who decide to strike on their own after the shit hits the fan will discover that there is strength in numbers and the dirty business of survival is best shared amongst the group. It is hard to gather all the necessities of life each day by yourself and traveling to new areas only brings with it new problems and an unknown environment. Anyone wandering through a grid-down situation is also at the mercy of any larger groups. These people will either fail to gather the needed resources or fall victim to others. We have those who don't bug out in time. You know that carefully uh, packed bug out bag you got? Will not do anyone any good if they wait too long to bug out. We see this during most natural disasters. A lot of people fail to heed warnings, wait till the last minute to get out of town. Most of the time, people who fail to bug out will be the unprepared members of our society. An actual grid-down scenario, many preppers and survivors will be stuck in burning cities because they felt they had a little more time than what they actually did. People with chronic illnesses. Many people suffer from chronic, uh, chronic illnesses requiring a regular medication and treatment. Unfortunately, when the hospitals and pharmacies run dry and close, all these people will find themselves without the life-saving treatments they need. Now, even some forms of mental illness require medication to manage in some cases. The only thing preventing some people from becoming dangerous to themselves and others is daily medication. Now, suffering the full effects of a chronic illness during a critical incident will put these people at such a massive disadvantage that the odds of their survival are almost non-existent. Then we have the indecisive. Every survival situation requires multiple decisions that we normally would not have to make living in a civilized society. Some of these decisions must be made quickly and are matters of life and death. Those who are, who are indecisive will hesitate at critical moments, drastically reducing their survivability. 
And then we got people who talk too much about their preps. I do this show. I have accepted that responsibility. I don't give any details or the scope of my supply catch, but people know they do have one. Now, preppers who are otherwise ready for an emergency or disaster but exercise poor operational security, I hate when people use that word, are going to be in the crosshairs of unprepared individuals who are motivated to take what they need by force. The best way to avoid hungry mobs is to exercise good OPSEC. That is, don't sit out front eating your MRE. People who lack the will to win. Look, survival is hard. It is. That's why it's called survival. Everyone who finds themselves disaster or emergency must have a strong will to win if, if they're going to see the other side of whatever calamity they are facing. So many people in our society today are unwilling to push themselves even a little to achieve their goals. These people will not push themselves to the limits to survive. Survival is a contest where the prize for second place is a casket or rolled in the ditch out of the way. So, we all need the will to win if we are going to survive. Many types of critical incidents we could face in the future. And the best bet against falling victim for them is to prepare when? Prepare now. And harden ourselves against these disasters. These types of people on this list may be your friends, neighbors, and family. Now, while it's essential to secure our survival, we should also reach out to others and encourage them to take the steps on a path to preparedness. you got to do it soon, boys and girls, because I'm telling you now, if you have not been paying attention, food lines are forming around the planet. There is going to be a shortage. It is coming. It is happening. Don't delude yourself and think that it's not going to happen to you. It is. So. What else? Oh, you know what? For all you preppers out there, I have something I would like to play for you. Yes, 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 I do. So let's take a you know what? You'll love it. You'll love it. It's Ship of Fools by World Party. I hope I hope you enjoy it. It's a good little ditty. It's good, it's good. It is.
back again, my friends. Hope you enjoyed the ship of fools. We don't want to sail on that ship of fools. It's a pretty big ship. All right. Maybe some of you missed it, but I will tell you what Sean Hannity has said. In case you missed it, Sean Hannity has called. <laughs> Forget this. Using the 25th Amendment on Joe Biden. Now, I'm going to play the clip for you and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Because it is well worth it, my friends, to listen to this. And welcome to Hannity on this busy breaking news Friday night. Joe Biden wrapping up yet another disastrous week of his imploding presidency filled with more bizarre blunders, more failed policy, and yes, more really horrific economic data. We're going to break it all down tonight. Now, earlier today, Joey was seen fist pumping with the Saudi crown prince. You know, the same prince that he called the murderer of Jamal Khashoggi, uh, the same nation that he called a pariah nation. Biden claimed in his remarks tonight that he did bring up the issue of Khashoggi. I'm sure he was really firm. He also confirmed that, yes, he did beg for more oil, but uh, details were few and far between. Take a look. We had a good discussion on ensuring global energy security and adequate oil supplies to support global economic growth. And that will begin shortly. I'm, and, uh, and I'm doing all I can to increase the supply for the United States of America, which I expect to happen. The Saudis share that urgency. And based on our discussions today, I expect we'll see further steps in the coming weeks. You're coming under a lot of fire for your fist bump with the crown prince. What? <laughs> I just wanted to give you a chance to respond to that. But also, how can you be sure that another incident, another murder like Jamal Khashoggi won't happen again? Well, God love you. What a silly question. How could I possibly be sure of any of that? I just made it clear. If anything occurs like that again, they'll get that response and much more. Oh, silly question. You know what the sad thing is? We don't need Saudi Arabian oil. We've got plenty here. Gas, oil, coal. We don't need it. But yet again today, Biden showing nothing but weakness on the world stage and suffered, yes, another batch of blunders. I'm sure this shocks you. Take a look. Was making a speech and uh, I had a terrible headache. <laughs> Excuse me, a terrible headache. And uh, sorry, <coughs> I swallowed wrong. Thank you. mob attack Marco Rubio for taking a sip of water well there's one one saving grace he didn't shake air again like he did the day before it only got worse from there because Biden also made a bizarre comparison while speaking in Jerusalem by linking the plight of Irish Catholics under British rule to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict what take a look there's an old expression hope springs eternal I, uh, my background and the background of my family is Irish-American, and uh, we uh, have a, uh, 
a long history of uh, not fundamentally unlike the Palestinian people with uh, Great Britain and their attitude toward Irish Catholics over the years for 400 years. And get this, Biden's trip is going so poorly that it's even drawing the ire of the congenital, compromised, corrupt liar that is Adam Schiff. He tweeted about Biden's Saudi Arabia visit, said, quote, if we ever needed a visual reminder of the continuing grip oil-rich autocrats have on U.S. foreign policy in the Middle East, oh, well, we got it today. One fist pump is worth a thousand words if ever there was a sign, a more obvious sign that Democrats were ready to move on from Biden. This is it. It couldn't be uh, more clear. Maybe the congenital liar should join us and support American energy independence. You know, the Trump policies. Now, it caps off yet another rough week for Team Biden as the president's blunders abroad. That was just the latest in a long string of struggles, revealing once again Biden is weak, he is frail, he is decrepit, he is not up to the job. This country should be seriously considering the 25th Amendment. Take a look. Every time I hear hail to the chief wonder, where the hell is he? <laughs> Took me a long while, but <laughs> you think I'm joking, I'm not. Turn around and where, where's, where's the president? Mr. President, what's your message to Democrats who don't want you to run again? They want me to run. Two-thirds say they Read don't. Read the polls. Read the polls, Jack. You guys are all the same. And continue, which we must do every, every day, continue to bear witness. To keep alive the truth and honor of the Holocaust, horror of the Holocaust. Thank you, President Herzog and President Biden. Yeah, look at the polls, Jack. Oh, nobody's there. Just another reason why more and more Democrats, they are looking for someone other than Biden, with over 60% not wanting Biden to run in 2024. This week, Biden inflation hit yet the highest number ever, another 40-plus year high at 9.1%. And even worse, a new record, near new record, wholesale inflation. That spiked to a whopping 11.3%. When it gets to retail on that level, you'll pay for all of it. And like I've been saying, everything you buy at every store you go to is costing you more. It's why food bank lines are now longer than ever, with Americans now overwhelmed by surging prices at the grocery store. Look at these findings from the Associated Press, hardly part of the vast right-wing conspiracy. For example, Phoenix, they have a food bank, their main distribution center. They gave out food packages to over 4,200 families during the third week in June. That is a 78% increase from the same week last year. Alameda, California, in that county there is also seeing a big increase, as is Houston, Los Angeles, and so many others. And Biden's and his far-left enablers, they've been lying and lying and lying about inflation one time after another. Take a look. I really doubt that we're going to see an inflationary cycle. Most economic analysts have believed that it will have a temporary or transitory impact. The faster-than-expected increase in some of those prices is actually a good sign. The overwhelming consensus is going to pop up a little bit and then go back down. It's highly unlikely that it's going to be long-term inflation that's going to get out of hand. I don't know anybody who's worried about 
inflation. Over the last couple of months, uh, we actually saw it trended downward. Make no mistake, inflation is largely the fault of Putin. I'm going to do everything I can to minimize Putin's price hike here at home. If you want to get rid of inflation, the only way to do it is to um, re undo a lot of the Trump tax cuts. Now, these surging costs, they all stem from Joe Biden's failed economic and energy policies. Of course, artificially reducing the supply of the lifeblood of the world's economy, that's energy, while attacking U.S. oil and gas and the industry altogether and letting the far-left climate religious cult agenda run the country. Only under far-left logic is it okay to beg foreign governments for more oil while not wanting to drill domestically right here at home. It's not just a Joe Biden problem either, with the exception of maybe Joe Manchin. This is the new Green Deal Socialist Democratic Party. And any other Democrat, if they were in power, they would be making the same dumb, idiotic decisions. How is it okay to get oil from Russia, Iran, uh, OPEC, Saudi Arabia, and Venezuela, but we don't produce it domestically? Tell me the logic behind that. Now, the people around him are no better, and frankly, they're the worst kind of enablers. Vice President Harris, she is totally unprepared to be president, as we've now learned yet again today. Another staffer is leaving as she makes one word salad after another. She's almost as bad as Biden, but for a little bit different reasons. Take a look. Together, we are expanding access to transportation. Seems like maybe it's a small issue, it's a big issue. You need to get to go and need to be able to get where you need to go to do the work and get home. Even the First Lady Jill Biden, well, she's not doing her husband any favors because as Democrats continue to lose more and more support among Hispanic voters, well, Jill Biden decided it was a good idea to compare Hispanic Americans to tacos. Take a look. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio. My friends, I, 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 I can't add anything to that. I can't. It's that, it's that bad. It is that bad. It is. I, I, I'm just cringing. Cringing! Oh. We're going to talk about it, but I, I, what can I add to it? All right. My proper friends. Where are, what, the, what do I got here? Oh, okay. Um. I want to give you what some people would consider uh, preparedness facts. They're going to make you think twice. Let's talk about what is preparedness. You, we, you, can't, you can't talk about let, Let's just define it. It means you are ready and willing for something. And for each of us, that definition holds a different definition. Overall, that's about it. Because all of us have different needs, resources, and abilities, but there are some common themes 
among people who are truly prepared. So maybe some of you are new to this, you're asking, or maybe you're thinking about it, and you're saying, well, why should I be prepared? Emergencies can happen at any time, anywhere, to anyone. Emergencies can be disastrous. Some may be minor, some others are going to be cataclysmic. And even if it isn't life-threatening, it can still be disruptive, and it can cause a lot of inconveniences. Minor emergency, power goes out. Now tell the truth, that power goes out, the first thing you do, you go, and then the second thing that goes through your mind is, is it going to come back on? Being prepared can reduce the impact of these emergencies. They can help save lives if necessary. And being prepared can reduce the financial impact. Being prepared can help you get back to normal. Preparedness is essential for our safety. And it's also an investment in our future. Fact number one, 48% of Americans lack emergency supplies in the event of a disaster. Number two, more than half of parents don't have a meeting place designated with their kids in times of emergency. Number three, 42% of people don't know immediate family members' phone numbers. Don't need to. I got the, I just got my, right here. I got right in the button here. Number four. More than half of all Americans don't have copies of important documents. Deed to your house, cars, social security cards, passports, birth certificates, medical information. Well, you should incur you should have paper copies of these. You can put it into even put it on a USB flash drive. Put it in your go bag. In a Ziploc bag. Make sure it's waterproof. Number five, almost 60% of Americans have less than $500 in savings. And who do we have to thank for that? Themselves. You know, if you could, if you were, depending on how much you make, obviously, if you could put $50 away a month and it builds up, 10 months, you got $500. It took you five months to save up for that. I'm sorry, did I do that right? 50 into 10? Yeah. I think so. I think that works out right. Anyways, it took you some time to build up that amount of money. You're going to be less likely to go and blow it. Or you could find a place to to, to maybe put your money. Number six, one in four people have no evacuation plan. Just go get the car and go. Oh, really? Okay. Good plan. 
Number seven, only 26% of Americans have taken steps to harden their homes against disasters. Number eight, 29% of people have no idea what to do if they experience a power outage. Well, I'm all for just running in circles, screaming and yelling. Raining my hands, gnashing my teeth. I'm all for that. Number nine, three in ten people don't know how to turn off the water in their homes. You should know how to do that. It is not, not difficult. Number ten, one in four people have no first aid kit. You don't need just a first aid kit. You need a trauma kit. Yes, you get a trauma kit. You use your first aid, use your trauma kit to back up that crappy first aid kit you picked up at Home Depot or at the dollar store. Number 11, only 14% of people have taken steps to protect their homes from flooding. Oh, I got insurance. For after the fact, yeah. Oh, and by the way, insurance won't cover 100% of it. Number 12, one in three people don't know how to use a fire extinguisher. Why? Because they haven't taken the time to watch a YouTube video on how to do it. It's that easy. Number 13, only 12% of people have taken steps to prepare their pets for a disaster. If you're one of those people who don't prepare for your dog or your cat or whether or whatever other pet you have in your house, stop listening to this show. You chose the responsibility to be a caretaker and an owner of another life form that depends on you. If you want to shirk that responsibility, you know what? They didn't ask to become your pets. You chose them. So if you don't want, so if you think you're just going to abandon them, please do me a favor. Don't listen to my show or any other show on CRN ever again. Why? Because all the hosts that are that have shows here on Contra Radio Network have have very similar views to mine when it comes to their pets. Number fourteen: one in five people have no emergency supplies in their homes. Well, you could have in your garage, I suppose. Number fifteen: most people don't know how to purify water. Why? Because you haven't taken the time to read a couple articles. But by God, you're all over Facebook, aren't you? In the U.S., number 16, in the U.S., only 25% have households garden. My garden got my first cherry tomatoes today. And they are delicious. And I snack on them throughout the summer. I just go out and take the dog out, walk out to the garden, grab some tomatoes, and have at it. Number 17. And, by the way, I'm not paying for those vegetables, courtesy of the Lord God. 17. Uh, 17% of people say they would help a neighbor in need, but only 42% actually do. Your neighbors could be a great resource, but you should also be prepared to take care of yourself and your family first. All right? There you go. Now, if I understand correctly, in Europe, you people are facing one hell of a heat wave right now. I guess uh, it was so hot in 
uh, the United Kingdom yesterday that the Royal Air Force couldn't had to shut down one of their air bases. Crappy time for that to happen because it was so hot the planes were actually sinking into the runway. Yeah, gotta think that. You gotta think that over, guys. So yes, it's well over 100 degrees. I know you listeners in Texas face this every summer. But in Europe, they don't get that hot. Well, they can't say that anymore because they are this week and then some. Look, you want to beat the heat, find a shade tree and drink plenty of water. Not Gatorade. You can get Gatorade later. Water. Water is the best way to stay hydrated, period. There you have it. I mean, that's really the bottom line. Don't sit out in the sun. By the way, if you're planning on coming in this country illegally and you're listening to me, please find a place to sit in the sun and wait. Just wait. Don't go anywhere. Just sit there. I know some of you are saying, there's a terrible thing to say. I know. I'm so bad. So, so bad. What is this? Do I want to deal with this right now? I don't think so. What have I got here? I'm not doing that. Let's, uh, let me see here. All right, let me, let's do this. Ah, yeah. You know, for some of you saying, you know, about my musical taste, I like the 80s, I like the 70s, even like some, some of the 60s. So, anyways, here's a little bread for you. Mother Freedom.
All right, little brother there, Mother Freedom, huh? Hey, um, got a question that came in. Uh, it's, is it safe to heat food in a can? Great question. Now, canned food is reliable. It's a convenient option. And aside from being an everyday staple in the kitchen, it also serves as a fundamental part of a long-term food storage plan. Now, you might have seen some various depictions in media of people heating up canned food right in the can prior to eating. But, is it safe? Is it safe to heat canned food in the can? No! <laughs> you should never heat canned food directly in the can whether or not the can has been opened. Because sealed cans can build up to dangerous amounts of pressure. This leads to an explosive eruption of scalding liquid. Even if a can has been opened or vented, it will likely contaminate the food as the plastic liner breaks down or the steel releases harmful elements into the food. Yes, steel is often used as a durable and is an efficient material for all sorts of cookware. But that doesn't mean that a common steel can is suitable for the purpose. In any case, it's just a bad idea to heat up canned food while it is still in the can. So don't do that. Alright? There, what do you think? Like that? I do. That's good information. It is. I ain't gonna lie to you. Alright then. That'll do it for this week. Um, you know what? I, uh, I have scheduled an interview with um, uh, Mr. I think, I think his last name is Leonard. Or, I'm sorry, Mr. Leonard. He is the author of a book called Terror Strikes. I'll be doing an interview with him tomorrow. If every schedule holds, everything goes out right, um, I hope you listen to it. Uh, I think it'll be interesting. And we'll talk a bit more about tomorrow after, because Susan done, done with the interview. I'm going to put my little magic fingerprints and touches on it and publish it. And you'll be able to listen to it. All right, then. I'm John Jeffers here on the Jeffers Brief. Brought today, live tomorrow, have an American day. Until next time.